Radio. It's my new favorite name to say. Well, next to Arson Judge. But I can't do an entire show on Arson because now Aaron is trending and I I guess I have to stick with the news. Fine. Speaking of news, the latest, not the greatest, but the latest free agent signing in the wake of baseball's winter meetings, Xander Bogarts and the Padres. 11 years. 11 years. $280 million. At some point, we'll look back at all these deals that are nine years. That includes Aaron Judge, right? Nine years, 10 years, 11 years, 13 years. And we'll know whether or not any of them actually pan out or when, uh, if any of them actually are worth the final few years of their careers and of the deal, the life of the deal. But right now it's all the rage in major league baseball. You want to lure a top player away from another suitor, his current team. You want to persuade him that you're the best option as a franchise and as a landing spot. Well, throw in a few more years to sweeten the deal. That's exactly what the Yankees did to get Aaron Judge, in addition to throwing more money at them. But the money is not the issue for the Yankees. The money wasn't the issue for the Yankees. They knew they were going to have to put more money in the middle of the table in order to keep Judge because he had an MVP season with 62 home runs. What they didn't want to do was give a player in his 30s a nine-year deal, a 10-year deal. They didn't even want to give him more than seven years, really. But in order to keep him, and I would say with a player of Aaron's caliber that puts butts in the seats, that earns them so much money anyway, they're bound to make it up. They will make it up. They win one World Series ring, and all of a sudden it becomes a moot point. And Aaron has more than delivered on the contract. Padres, same thing. They win one World Series with all of these various names and talents they've signed now. Xander added to Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis when he returns, Juan Soto, though he's going into the final year of his deal, right? Juan Soto is? Or is it the, he's got two years left? Okay, so they've got him for a couple more years. They brought in pitchers. They just... Gave Ted Musgrove that huge deal to to stay put during the season. He's a San Diego native. They were the last team to throw its hat in the ring for Aaron Judge. So apparently, even as we were talking last night, Aaron did, in fact, fly to San Diego at the last minute. That's how it was described. He did end up in San Diego at the last minute at the winter meetings to get together with the various team execs who were pitching him. And at the last second, the Padres made a play. Ultimately, he wanted to stay in New York. I truly believe this. As long as the Yankees were going to give him a deal that was commensurate with the top offer, which was probably the Giants, he was not going to leave. I know Giants fans are disappointed But I believe you can understand from his perspective what he's creating, what he's cultivating in New York. 
He had a lot of fun this year. He had a ton of success this year. And he just needed the Yankees to give him market value, (laughs) which market value was really set by the two offers that he was receiving. But how about him? He's the ultimate story of believing in yourself and believing that it's not really gambling if you have the confidence and the support team around you that the best is yet to come. He went into a contract year believing that he could play better, could stay healthier than he ever had, and look what happened. He earned himself roughly $150 million extra over the original offer from the Yankees. So good for Aaron. Now we just have to figure out what to do with arson. Producer Jay actually came into my side studio where I was listening to audio. And right after he told me this, someone sent me a tweet about it as well. And he said that our friend John Heyman, Odyssey Baseball Insider, who was the one who created, carefully and lovingly created Arson Judge and and left him alive for three minutes. Actually, the last I knew the tweet was still up. I don't know if he took it down. Or not. Even if it's not, that tweet's not going anywhere. Right. It was screenshotted so many times. Well, unfortunately for him, he created another athlete on Thursday. Wednesday. Sorry, it's Wednesday. My days get all mixed up. At least I didn't send Jay a text saying happy almost Friday. That would have been wrong. Yeah. Just wrong. (laughs) No, not this time. Especially since poor Jay looks like he did not get enough sleep. You look a little tired. A little tired. A little tired. Where's your coffee? I already had it. That's uh, way not too great. early. Wait. That's that's the problem. <laughs> this is why I do not drink coffee in the evening because I need it. And so if I if I drink it, let's say seven thirty, eight o'clock in the evening, it will wear off by the time I get to work. So I have to save it till I leave for work. I don't normally go out or do things before work or before the show. Ever but really? I had something, so I had coffee before that, and now that just threw me all off. Mm, I just. Made a joke and he went it went right over his head. I well, you know. <laughs> You're just ignoring me. So who is the new athlete that John Heyman created on Wednesday? Uh Mr. Coke Hamels. <laughs> Not Pepsi Hamels. Coke Hamels. <laughs> oh, at least you didn't go the other kind of Coke. Oh no. At least you weren't using the vernacular. We'll be friendly. <laughs> Family and kiddo friendly here on the show. At 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, we're going to be family friendly. <laughs> For those people who are listening on podcast, co-camels. Co-camels? It's not as good as Arson Judge, but it's pretty darn close. It's, pre- it's pretty good. Oh, man. And apparently it was up for a couple of minutes before he realized it. So right after Jay told me about it, because I didn't see it. Well, then we had uh, on our show Twitter account, a tweet pop up that had actually screenshotted this news from John Heyman about this new player named Coke Hamels. I screenshotted it too. Actually, I saw the tweet live. Did you? I did. I was just happened to be on Twitter and I saw it and I was like, no way. He's got to be kidding. This has got to be. I love how Jay says that he happened to be on Twitter as if he spends none of his life on Twitter. I just yeah. happened to be on Twitter. Just happened to be scrolling. It was the one day out of seven that I happened to be on Twitter. <laughs> Only one of the uh, often. But yeah, I saw it. So I scrolled down to just make sure to refresh it to go check it again. I was like, is he kidding? And it said, this tweet has recently been deleted. And I was like, that was a real tweet. He just messed up again. Of How, course. Come on, check your spelling. Yeah. You'd think after Arson Judge. Uh, 
but maybe he loved the reaction to Arson Judge. Well, that's why I thought it was kind of a joke, but then he deleted it. So clearly <laughs> he didn't want that up there. I wish I'd created Arson Judge. <laughs> one of the best characters in decades. You all TV blew series, up movies. our social media. You blew it up. A little bit like I blew up Jay's phone earlier with all the storylines and, and topics we're going to hit tonight. But you all blew up my uh, social media, Twitter and Facebook, with your walk-up music for Arson Judge. My favorite, though, were the responses with walk-up music for Aaron Judge. Clearly not not reading it, right? Like, that's the whole point is John Heyman did not read his tweet before he posted it. And many of you, well, not many of you, a, a minority number of you, you all didn't read it either. You just sent me Aaron Judge walk-up music. Nah, nah, nah. You need to pay attention. Don't let your brain tell you something's there that that's actually not. But our brain does that sometimes. We... We anticipate what we're going to read, what we're going to see, and so we can skip right over typos. But not this one. Arson Judge, one of the greatest cartoon characters ever created in Major League Baseball. (laughs) The memes are absolutely amazing. I don't know if this is real or not, so I I hesitate to tell you that it's, it's authentic. But I saw this one post about how the Yankees have actually started to trademark the arson judge stuff so that they can sell t-shirts. But I don't, again, that could be the New York Yankees. It couldn't, it could not be the actual Yankees. It could have been someone these days. Anyone can get a blue check mark. Those of you who had 10 followers out there, you can also get the blue check mark and be part of the blue check mark brigade. So you don't even need to be anyone that works in a public realm or, or has any type of a public Profile, you can just be a blue check mark because you pay for it, of course. <laughs> that's how that's supposed to work. Right. I, I will never. I'll get rid of the blue check mark before I'm paying to be on social media. <laughs> F no. That is not happening. It, I'm not paying to be tortured. It's enough to be on these stupid apps. I'm not paying for it. Pay us. Yeah, that's right. They should pay us. That's a good point. So, Arson Judge, he's been laid to rest, sort of. We'll never forget him, though. His legend will live on. And Coke Hamill's not nearly as much fun, but still, if you're John Heyman, maybe you need someone to proofread your tweets. We would like to volunteer to proofread your tweets before you put them up there. We got another funny tweet in the baseball world, actually, yesterday with our friend Bob Nightingale. Oh, fantastic. Would you like to read it to us? He was talking after this after the judge news happened. He goes, the Yankees believed Tuesday afternoon that their offer was similar to the San Francisco Giants, but still didn't know yet which direction Stanton would go. <laughs> See, I read that live when it happened, and I thought, huh, am I missing something? Was there a decision for Stanton, too? <laughs> Stanton apparently had a, was a big factor in judge's decision. You never know. He could have been. They might be tight. He might be. For instance, if I decided to leave... I know that would be a big factor in your decision. You're right. You're right. Actually, it really would be the other way around because I'm locked into a contract. So if Jay decides to leave, there might be mutiny. (laughs) We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Rocket can, not Rocket Man. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio, also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We're excited for a brand new guest on this edition of the show. He'll join us from Seattle about 45 minutes from now because it's go time in college football. For those of you who clamor for more college football chatter, 
Well, we got you covered because the first bowl games kick off in days. No joke. The first bowl games start next week, as in next Friday. Are you kidding? I actually won't be here on Thursday night into Friday because my younger niece is graduating from college a semester early. Just happens to be the week before Christmas, which is about the most convenient time ever to go to a college graduation. <laughs> so I will have to take off uh, a night early to drive eight hours to Blacksburg. Yep. Virginia Tech is beautiful this time of the year. I can't wait. Uh, anyway, so neither here nor there. Uh, the first bowl games kick off the same day as my niece graduates from college. So we've got the playoff on the horizon in under a month now, actually, as much as we grouse, well, I, I'll just make that personal, I grouse about the fact that it's a month between the time we get the rankings and the time that we see these teams on the field, it'll go quickly because of everything that happens this time of the year. So New Year's Eve, just a few weeks away for the college football playoff. So that's on the horizon. You may have seen Transfer Portal trending in sports this week. That's because it was open for business. Uh, plus coaching hires like Deion Sanders. Those are shaking up the sport. I know people are excited about the Louisville hire. So we will dive in with a brand new guest, Brandon Huffman of 24-7 Sports. CBS Sports has a partnership with 24-7 Sports, and we were able to get a connection to get him on the show for the first time. So he'll join us from Seattle coming up at the top of next hour. So on Twitter, on our Facebook page, we're excited to have you with us. We had the Xander Bogarts domino fall. So now two of the four all-star shortstops are locked up. Not only does Trey Turner get a 10-year deal. Wait, 11-year deal? Was it 11-year deal? So therein lies the connection, right? Trey Turner gets an 11-year deal. Xander Bogarts gets an 11-year deal. And the talk is that even though he wanted to give the Red Sox the last shot, right? So he went back to his team. He went back to the team where he's had such great success early in his career, the team that made Xander, and he let them have the last pitch. But according to the sources I've read, they were nowhere near the number of years. So he wanted that same job security, and the Red Sox weren't willing to give it to him. So 11 years for he and Trey Turner. The money is massive, of course. It's that time of the year in baseball, all fully guaranteed, by the way. So now you've got two of the four shortstop dominoes that have yet to drop. I still say, yes, Carlos Correa, I understand. He's dynamic. I love Dansby Swanson. Love Dansby. So interested to see what happens there. And if Braves fans lose Freddie Freeman and Swanson in back-to-back years, that'd be tough. They're still a great team. Still, theoretically, a World Series challenger. You never know how a year might play out. But I love Dansby Swanson. I think he's so much fun. He can get hot real quick. He's a player that can help you in a variety of ways. I like his leadership. I think he's grown into a leader for the Atlanta Braves. I bet there are many inside the AL, nope, NL East who would love to see him leave the division. (laughs) Even as there's an influx of talent and an influx of pitchers, seems like the NL East is a magnet these days for big-time athletes and, and humongous contracts. Some of these teams in the Northeast, Well, and think about the Northeast, right, because the Marlins aren't really big spenders right now. 
The Marlins are going through yet another iteration of manager and changes at the top and constant change equals constant losing in sports. But the Marlins are out of the equation. But if you think Phillies, Mets, and Braves, Braves, I'm waiting to see what happens here. But Phillies and Mets, to be sure, spending a lot of money and the impact that those deals have on the other teams in the division cannot be overstated you you and it's happening the it's happened in the AL East a bunch it's happened in the NL West a bunch you look around at what the other teams in your division are doing and you think rut row we have to play these teams 19 times we got to keep up or get left behind so sadly no arson judge comedy on this edition of the show unless there's a line or two that fits so perfectly We do have a couple of fun things for you, though. We've got some Christmas activities planned. Uh, Jay doesn't know all about them. He will when you do. (laughs) He knows a little bit about them. But sometimes your host just makes executive decisions and then checks with Jay afterwards. Actually, I say, let's do this. How should we do this? (laughs) I am not aware of what's happening. Yes, you are. You're fine. Whatever. Don't make it sound like I don't include you in stuff. That's dumb. I would include you in more. If you'd like to do any more of the social media, feel free to pick that up uh, yeah. anytime. See, this is the response I get. I try to include him and it's a, eh. Yeah, eh. I'll sit that one out. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it's something like that. It's more like a grunt. So, yeah. Uh, we have some big moments from the world of hockey. Why don't you talk about hockey? Amy Lawrence, can you talk more about hockey? So, anyway, we've got some big moments and, and some sweet highlights from the hockey world. It's hockey. As- Alex Ovechkin inches ever closer, right on the heels of me fielding a question on Ask Amy Anything. If you did not hear your question posed on Ask Amy last night, uh, I did go back and answer a bunch of questions on Twitter and Facebook. So we've got cleanup to do. We've got lots to get to, including a couple of high-profile matchups in the NBA, one of which was close. One of which was not even a game and and actually stunning. So gear up, peeps. Let's go. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Tatum steps to his left, his three, right down the middle. Timeout, Monty Williams, but to say what? Crank the bus up, man, that's what you say. Under out of bounds, Cornette muscle, but he's able to throw it out towards Sam Hauser, who knocks down a three. 14th of the night for the Celtics, and they have the 40-point lead back, 109-69. to 69. Richard moving to his left, goes to the far corner for a Sam Hauser three. This is unfair, man. With the nation watching. The East-leading Celtics blast the West-leading Suns by as many as 45 en route to a blowout win. This is one game, so we just got to come back and and take it one game at a time and and get ready for the next. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Welcome back, Chris Paul. A rude return. A rude greeting by the visiting Boston Celtics in the desert, the Phoenix Suns. Well, they host the Celtics with this idea that a battle of first place teams would actually be competitive, but 
Not really. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, He's not joking. Sean Grandy, not joking. Uh, Cedric Maxwell, not joking. When they say it's a blowout, when they say it's unfair, yeah, they're telling you the truth. Nearly 50 points at one juncture in this game, separating the two. I thought the score was a typo when I saw it in the first quarter and then turned it on was like, nope, that's for real. It was one of those overwhelming victories for the Celtics in which they hit double the number of threes. They outscored the Suns. Again, this is game is in Phoenix by 17 in the second quarter. Jalen and Jason. So Jalen Brown, you hear there on NBC Sports Boston following the game. Hey, let's not get crazy. This is not a statement. It's just a game. Jalen Brown and Jason Taylor, according to Charles Barkley. His name is Jason Taylor. Jason Tatum is his alter ego. They both have 25 points apiece. And this one got ugly for the Suns pretty quickly. Joe Missoula, what's the key to a victory like this one? Having humility and others is a season for everything. Um, you know, it's not always going to be like this. Uh, it's a lot of games left. That might happen to us one night. And it might. Um, it might not, but I think it's just understanding what we're doing well right now uh, and where we can get better. And so regardless, you know, the, we've had a couple games like this. Our guys have played hard no matter what. And I think that um, says a lot. And then you just have to constantly focus on the details. Like, what are we doing well? What are we not? And we gave up a lot of shots wide open tonight um, that if those would have went in, it could have been a different game. And so there's a lot of possessions that went our way that may not go our way. And so we have to learn from those. The Celtics shot 48.5% from the floor. So they made 49 field goals to just 37 for the Suns. And as I say, they had doubled the number of threes. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio in Salt Lake City. A game between the Warriors and the Jazz going down to the wire. 123-119. Olenek inbounds to Alexander Walker. He comes to the left. He gets all the way to the window. He throws it back out to Beasley for three and hits. 6.9 seconds left. That was so good. Such great basketball, Will Hardy. Way to go. That was beautiful basketball. Set us up for one dramatic finish. David Locke on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Bounce pass in the pool. It's knocked away. It's stolen. Jazz have it. Beasley to Fontecchio to the jam in the lead. 124-123. Jerome Baseball Outlet. You watched. You're, you're, you're asking me what happened. You just watched the game. We didn't take care of the ball. We we turned it over, and um, and they took the game. And it's a shame because our guys did a lot of great stuff. Um, I thought to that point they really fought um, and earned uh, the right to win the game. And then we didn't close it. And um, you got to close it. You know, you got to be um, rock solid with the ball. Um, you got to be smart defensively. Um, and uh, we were uh, neither of those things the last uh, 13 seconds. There were some clutch plays made by the Jazz at the end of this game because Jordan Poole hit a free throw. With about 13 seconds to go, the Warriors were up four. And then Malik Beasley, who had 18 points overall, hit a three. Do you know who hit the three over? That would, well, not even over. Clay Thompson was out of position, and he knows it after the game. 
Well, thank you for letting me recollect such a great moment of the game. Uh, I just fell asleep. I didn't watch the ball handler against the rim rather than sticking on the three-point shooter. And uh, that was a dreadful mistake by myself. After Malik hits that triple, it's Warriors ball. They're still up by one. I'm human. Barely. Jordan Poole seemingly fumbles the ball away. When you're watching it, you don't actually feel like it's a, a strip sack. Ha ha. It doesn't appear as though it's something that's knocked. It's a, a ball that really got knocked away hard. He just, he wasn't taking care of the basketball. He wasn't protecting the ball in any way, shape, or form. He's kind of holding out there for, for the theft to occur. And so it gets slapped away. Malik Beasley then picks it up and throws it ahead to Fontecchio, who is darting to the hoop and is able to slam it home. And so, yes, it happened very quickly, as you hear with David Locke. What just happened? This is coming off a game in which Jordan Poole had 36. He tied a season high. There was no Steph Curry, no Draymond Green, no Andrew Wiggins, and yet there was a lot of spirit. But it all gets forgotten in the way the game ended. As for Fontecchio, he has become a major piece of what the Jazz are doing. They're above 500, a couple games above 500. This is a huge win for them. It's kind of fun to be right in the middle of the action, though he wasn't expecting it to start the year. I was just really happy to to join a franchise, this franchise, and uh, to join the NBA world. And uh, I knew that it was going to be difficult. Of course, there was going to be there was going to be a lot of changes, uh, adjustment to the style of play, adjustment to the yeah to the um, different rules and all this kind of stuff. But I was ready to you know to. To stay, to stay focused, to also embrace some difficult moments, and uh, as I said, just trying to uh, take the positive uh, all of this stuff. Well, it's definitely positive when you're right place, right time, and you do what you're supposed to do. And he's in the game because of an injury to another player, and so he's out there and he makes the most of it. And it's a moment you don't forget. Not to mention the fans there in Salt Lake City. It's a pretty sweet atmosphere uh, in in the the Jazz fans create it, but in their home arena, it's loud, it's obnoxious, and David Locke is he's all about it. He's, what just happened? He's a lot of fun, a total homer. There are some NBA play-by-play announcers that are homers more than others. But here's the thing: I tell this to fans who ask me about it a lot. When you're doing a national broadcast. You're playing it straight, right? So think Mike Tirico, think Al Michaels, think Joe Buck. Those are announcers who have to play it straight. Kevin Harlan. When you're hired by a team, you are speaking to a friendly audience, meaning you better be slanted in favor of the team that hired you. Now, does it mean you're unfair or does it mean that you are not doing your job by describing the action, no. But you need to know your audience. It's the first thing I tell young broadcasters when they ask me about keys to to building a show or doing a broadcast. Know your audience. Who are you talking to? It's why we don't do a soccer-only show here on After Hours because the majority of our listeners care about soccer in stretches or in pockets. 
but not nonstop. The same thing with curling. Curling may be a niche sport, but we don't have a lot of humongous curling fans who listen to the show. So you got to know your audience. And when it comes to David Locke, his audience is jazz fans. So sure, be a homer. They love it. I actually once had a team come to me and say something along the lines of, we need you to be more pro our team. (laughs) As opposed to playing it straight down the middle. So yeah, David knows his audience and he appeals to them with his crazy, I don't want to call it bias because that's not fair, but his crazy uh, homerism that drives other other listeners nutso, but it's perfect for the Utah Jazz. That was beautiful basketball. What just happened? So those are a couple of the high-profile matchups on Wednesday night. Wait until you hear the comparison that Charlotte head coach Steve Clifford toss out there about Kevin Durant. It's a, I think a pretty welcome compliment. And NKD is having a sweet year. The Nets appear to be more on track now that holds Jacques Vaughn higher well, him getting the interim tagged remove, that was smart. Finally, the Nets make a smart decision. Finally. You know, no complaints from me. Well, that'd be a first. Uh, also, in Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge takes the money, takes the deal with the Yankees. He stays in the Bronx. And more recently, Xander Bogarts becomes the next shortstop domino to fall. So we'll get the reaction now that the winter meetings are done. And I wouldn't say free agency is over. There's still a lot that must happen. But boy, have we seen some cash get thrown around. Like somebody broke into a Binks truck. I wouldn't recommend that. It's after, is it Binks or Brinks? I get this wrong every time. Brinks. Oh, shoot. See, a Binks truck doesn't even exist. What am I, John Heyman? Jar Jar Binks truck. Jar Jar Binks truck. Oh, see, that's where I got it from. I'll just remember that from now on. It's the opposite of Star Wars. It's not Jar Jar Brinks. <laughs> that's that's the good. That's a good tool. Oh, speaking of Star Wars, at the top of the hour, can you play our new Star Wars open? I can. Sweet. Jay. Oh, Jay's been working all this new production, but he never lets me hear it. He tells me about it. It's a surprise, and then he doesn't let me hear it. What's about the other open that you created? I have that. We'll get there. I asked him. So Marco, I asked him for a hint. He said food, but not what you think. That's a hint. But it's not a hint. But also, where is it? I haven't heard it yet. It's, it's on the way. It's coming. Oh, it's in the works in, yeah. the, uh, in the factory. He goes into his <laughs> secret laboratory and, and turns into a mad scientist, and then he doesn't let me know what he's working on. Because <laughs> he knows I have veto power, and if I don't like it, I'll give it the big, ah! Yeah, I just debut it on the air. <laughs> That's right. He just plays it on the air without asking me. That's or, smart. Yeah, yeah so, so that, the, way, yeah. that way, at the very least, it gets on the air once. Also, too, <laughs> never let her hear before it's actually completely finished. Wait, why? Never, ever. What? Why? What are you saying? No, it's nothing against you. Don't oh, let okay. anybody ever see a project while you're, well, I'm still working on this, because then all of a sudden the first thing you get is, well, if you're already still working on it, maybe you could just. <laughs> you could tweak this. Yeah. You could alter Maybe you this. change this, or maybe you do this. Yeah, so get the completed, and then all let right. her hear. All right. Smart advice from an old grizzled veteran. Old grizzled veteran in the business. You could say old again. It's all right. Old. We all know. Whatever. I'm older than you. That's all right. We know. (laughs) Grizzled too. I don't have a gray beard though. Uh, I do. I don't have any gray in my beard. What about your hair? I never see your hair because you always wear a hat. Uh, Some. Much more in the beard. There's a lot more. uh, Soon the beard's going to be just salt. There's going to be just a sprinkle of pepper here and there. 
But the hair, not so much. I There's tease a few my brother because he's younger than me, and he has way – I don't really have any gray hair. A couple now and then on top, but somehow I got some good genes, and I don't really have any. You actually don't have a lot either. Oh, no. interesting. I've ne- I've rarely seen Marco without a hat. He just removed his cap. and Now, granted, I've had head right now, no, no, but no, no, I don't have a lot that's of – That's not what I'm looking at. Not I don't so much gray, see no. much gray hair. No. Is your hair thinning? Uh, I mean, tell me. Because you're an Italian. Really. Well, you're an Italian. So, uh, like, a lot of good Italian men have great hair that lasts until they die. Until um, they die. Well, yeah. <laughs> Soon enough. Um, <laughs> Stop. It. No, not really. It's not. Shockingly, no. It's it's still there. Sweet. It's not really that. You got good nothing. Italian hair genes. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. And I don't know how that stuff works anyway. My brother's been bald since he was about, like, 19. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my father Jay's got good hair too. He's getting old. He's now into his third decade. Nah, he's fine. But he's he's, he's fine. Still got plenty of hair. Yeah, no, I know. I do know some guys that I've dated. Some guys even that were already starting to thin in their thirties. Their hair. Yeah. No. And I mean, it happens to all of us. I mean, eventually, I, you would think. Like I said, my brother had to be late teens, early twenties. Oh my god. And he gosh. stopped the fight, and he you know shaved it off. Stop the well, there's fight. no re- again. Don't fight that. <laughs> don't fight that. And same thing for me. Like I'm not gonna fight that. You just buzz it right off. The part that I don't understand is my father has about six gray hairs. He's pushing 80. Six? Roughly. That's amazing. And, that's, and he's got a head of hair that I, because he was a teacher, and I had to go to high school where he taught. Yes. You, I can't tell you how many people would come to me. Why does your father wear a toupee? He said, he does not wear a toupee. <laughs> and they, he honestly had people convinced, and I'm like, he doesn't. It's fake. Trust me when I tell you, I've known the man for quite some time now. <laughs> he's not going to put a toupee on. He doesn't have... Uh, not only just the the thought process to deal with any of that stuff. He's going to wake up and he's going to leave the house. You'll be lucky if he takes the time to comb his hair. Stop it. <laughs> That's and awesome. that he's still to, the, to this day. Maybe you have those jeans. Full head of hair. Except you wear a hat most of the time, and so I hardly ever see it. Right, and everybody's been telling me since I was fifteen, you're going to lose your hair because you wear a hat every day. Oh, you're right. That's obviously it's not, true. not true. All right, not true yet. Yeah, I'm sure somebody will tell me that, though, when I'm 65 and I'm losing my hair. <laughs> see? Because you wore a hat for 50 years. Yeah, that was it. And then it finally did the trick. Jay, same thing. I hardly ever see him without a hat. Yeah, I used to always hear that one, too, growing up. Oh, you're going to lose your hair when you get going to thin and I wear a hat. Uh-huh. Pretty sure my hair's still growing yeah. faster than I want it to. So. <laughs> yeah. <It's> nonsense. <laughs> All right, both these two dudes that I work with have had long hair in their past. Uh, not since I've worked with them, but they both have shown me photos of themselves with long hair. I showed you that photo? Yes, you did. You did showed I? me a photo wow. with long hair. And Jay, too, which is really funny. Ponytails, both of them. No, not me. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. Okay, we're way late. So sorry. Coming up a little bit from the baseball winter meetings and, and no more arson. It's all about Aaron Judge now. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. He certainly belongs in pinstripes and, and a guy of his stature and you know his greatness. Hopefully, spends his entire career in the Monument Park and into the Hall of Fame as a Yankee. 
This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Ooh, you can imagine the sigh of relief for Yankees fans, Yankees brass, certainly for Aaron Boone, whose roster and clubhouse would look and feel a whole lot different had Aaron Judge not re-signed. But the Yankees come up in the number of years. They essentially match the money that he was offered by the San Francisco Giants. I have not heard how much the Padres offer turned out to be. You can imagine it was probably in the ballpark, though. They were a late entry to the Aaron Judge sweepstakes. They wanted Aaron, not Arson. Judge will make $360 million over nine years. It is one of the largest contracts in baseball history. We had just talked about how there were 10 $300 million contracts, if you included Trey Turner. That was earlier this week. We've seen multiple $300 million contracts handed out over the course of these winter meetings that wrapped up in San Diego. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. So Aaron Boone there was getting interviewed by a myriad of reporters, different outlets in San Diego. He was nervous on Tuesday. It was Tuesday that he was nervous. Wednesday morning, right after we get off the air is when the news breaks. So we weren't even asleep yet. And they had already gotten the news from Aaron Judge. So he was apparently deliberating overnight or sleeping on it, if you will. Uh, And so Aaron Judge remains in pinstripes. And it sounds like he wanted to, to remain in New York, but wasn't going to take a hometown discount. He wasn't going to take a major pay cut to do it. And it was just up to the Yankees to meet him at some point at which he could satisfy the MLBPA and his responsibilities as a union member, but also do what makes him happy. If you went to House Lamberta today and said, what do you think about the length of this contract? He'd say, well, at the end, we're going to be probably regretting it. But what would be more regrettable for him is not to have him in 2023, 2024, and 2025. In, In the short term, they knew they could win with him. They could market around him. And they just, the owner did not want to let this guy get away. And I think in the end, Judge didn't want to leave. That seems to be the reaction, is that the Yankees just had to to suck it up. He had an MVP season. You were going to have to pay for that if you're the New York Yankees. But it's not worth letting him walk. It's nine years, yeah. Maybe you paid him for two years longer than you wanted, but it's not worth losing him because you need him next year and the year after and the year after. Especially if he stays healthy, it's not only great for baseball, but it's getting the Yankees closer to their ultimate goal every season, which is to win another World Series. That's Joel Sherman on MLB Network with the Yankees perspective on a nine-year deal that they were resistant to give one Aaron Judge. By the way, his contract is the third richest in baseball history. Mike Trout, the only one that's over $400 million. Mookie Betts got 12 years, 365, and now Aaron Judge only nine years and 360. Six foot seven, MVP. He is unique in Major League Baseball. The 62 home runs, an American League record, led the league with 131 RBI. I just love the fact that he knew, he knew that by putting together the best season of his life, he could make more money, and he was willing to take that risk. Maybe to him it didn't even feel like a risk. You're judge and jury. John Sterling on Yankees Radio. So John Heyman, our friend John Heyman, Odyssey Baseball Insider, he was on MLB Network. He didn't create a character for Xander Bogarts. It was just 
plain old Xander signing with the Padres. Xander Bogarts is a terrific player. First of all, he's been a great shortstop. He's won two championships, one as a third baseman, one as a shortstop. He is a great hitter. He's improved defensively. The same age as Trey Turner. He's getting a little bit less than Trey Turner. I'm beauties in the eye of the beholder. To me, it makes sense. It surprised me a little bit that it was this high, but as I look at it, as I look at the stats, I think they're fairly comparable players. So, you know, I get it. Poor John Heyman sounds like he is exhausted. So maybe that excuses, not excuses. Maybe that's the reason for the typos. I know that often when I wake up and I'm still in a fog, I shouldn't be sending text messages because I clearly can't spell anything right when my my fingers and my brain are not working in concert. So John on MLB Network, his other responsibility there, Bogarts is 30 and he spent the first decade of his career with the Red Sox. John mentions two World Series championships. He's also an all-star four times and he's coming off a great season. So here's another example of how Bogarts' new free agency was looming and he ended up In the top 10 in the American League MVP voting, he opted out of his contract extension with the Red Sox uh, that he signed going back before the 2019 campaign. And as a free agent, he made himself a boatload of money, 11 years, $280 million. What about Dansby? We'll try to answer that question next. But college football straight ahead here on CBS Sports Radio. 